Hi everyone and welcome to the Be You Mum podcast. I'm Annie, mum, wife, nutritional therapist, music lover and believer that animal print will never go out of fashion. I believe that we are at our most happiest and healthiest when all parts of ourselves are aligned and singing in harmony, the mind, body, heart and spirit. For me, like most, motherhood has been life-changing. It has opened up so many opportunities to learn more about myself and grow and become a better version of me and generally better human being. So this is what this podcast is all about. Conversations with awesome people who will inspire, inform and empower you to be more you at your brightest and best. Just like health and happiness, I believe there is no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. Learning to better understand, love and be yourself is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. So I hope you will join me on this podcast journey of self-discovery, self-growth and self-love because when we connect with ourselves and step into our personal power, our mummy magic can truly shine. So please keep listening and remember, always be more you. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Be You Mum podcast with me, Annie Breen. I had hoped to release episode 13 on Friday the 13th as there was a full moon, um, which would have tied in beautifully to what we would be speaking about today, but it wasn't to be. Life got in the way. But anyway, here we are. And this week I'm joined by Brie Cosma. Brie is a certified consciousness coach and counsellor who integrates astrology, mindfulness therapy and yogic philosophy into her practice. Brie offers one-to-one coaching packages which centre around mindset and emotional well-being, helping people break through fear, anxiety and self-doubt by cultivating a more empowered mindset. Brie works with clients to uncover any limiting core beliefs that may be sabotaging their sense of self-confidence, self-worth and self-belief. She helps clients to heal the wounding around these beliefs so they can free themselves from the trapping of the inner critic and all forms of fear-based disempowering thought patterns. I think this is something that we can all benefit from. Brie shares her personal story of what led her to be doing this amazing work today. At age 23, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Brie talks about how this affected her and completely changed her life in terms of how it um, inspired her to look within, to become curious, to not just accept the diagnosis, but really look at what she could do to create the conditions, not just within her body, but within her mind and spirit um, to promote optimal healing. It really is incredible to listen to. And then, of course, we talk about one of my favorite subjects, the moon. I am not going to pretend that I know a lot about this. And thanks to Brie, um, I learned so much from this discussion. It really does impact our health, um, especially women's health. Um, So Brie was really awesome at explaining the different houses and phases of the moon and how these can really prompt you to become more aware 
um, of more of specific areas in your life. So I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Um, so without further ado, let's get into episode 13. Hi Bree, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am so excited. We came across each other on Instagram. We were both doing a challenge, weren't we? Um, with Lucy Sheridan, the good gram. Mm-hmm. And um, I came across your account and just thought, oh, well, I need to know more about this. And you are a consciousness coach. Is that right? Yes. So um, helping people kind of uncover their limiting beliefs and um, basically re- rewrite them in a more empowering way so that they can actually do the things that they want to do and stop being held back. Um, by the inner critic and the ego and all of that stuff that gets in the way. I think we all need some of that. I looked at your website, which is beautiful, and I really encourage people to check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. But um, I think I read there that you put something about change. So to make like positive change in your life, we need to discern between the voice of the ego and the voice of the soul. And that is so beautiful. That gave me boot, uh, goose bumps. Goosebumps. Um, so, what yeah. do you? What is consciousness coaching? You just touched on it there, but what sort of tools do you use, and, and how? What does it look like in practice? So, there's a lot of tools around exactly the line that you just read to just to learn how to discern between the voice of the ego and the soul. So, to learn how to see when thoughts are coming from an energy of fear as opposed to an energy of love or abundance. Um, so we've got, I've got some tool, um, worksheets where we kind of unpack whatever the area of life that's feeling um, disempowering or not where you want it to be and kind of work backwards. So what, what the situation is and then how you're feeling about the situation and the thoughts you have around it. And we uncover the core belief that's underlying it all, which is usually what kind of co-creates the reality of the situation. And then from uncovering the core belief, we're able to kind of rewrite a more empowering one. And then that will then have a knock-on effect on the way we think about the situation, the way we feel, and then ultimately will change our external reality based on how we think and feel about it. That's amazing. And do you see a lot of these kind of core belief systems being laid down in childhood or do you see them going like sort of um, generationally back before we were even kind of born? Do we adopt a lot of stuff before we even set foot on this planet? What are you kind of seeing there with belief systems? Well, I was trained in having, I guess, the flexibility to sort of see all the possibilities with a client and sort of talk it's um, a two-way collaboration. So talk it through with them and, and see what they feel if it's, if it's cultural, if it's ancestral, if it's their own conditioning from, you know, the way that they were parented um, and any kind of childhood trauma or wounding. Um, but yeah, I think we all have a lot of unconscious stuff that is still playing out until we sort of open the door and look deeper in. That has been my experience. And I think on every (laughs) single podcast so far, I've referenced the matrix. 
like to see how oh, yeah. it goes because I think it's very easy especially in motherhood to be so caught up in the effect like the effect of um, life you know the hustle and bustle the stress the demands like we're very much just kind of surviving and juggling um, obviously there's lots of enjoyment as, as well but it is full-on it's exhausting and I think mm. through that process we can become quite um, from ourselves and I my experience is that um, some of the stuff that maybe happened earlier on or that even before I was born had a huge impact and it wasn't until I had Bonnie that it triggered me to kind of um, inquire around that and look a little bit deeper like below the surface yeah um, I work with people on belief systems all the time and I think you know you'll probably see this that it's easy to give someone a strategy around health, isn't it, right? Tell someone to go and eat this, exercise, what have you. But a lot of the time, it's not as simple as that. Because if we don't believe we're worthy of those strategies or that we believe we actually can achieve some of these goals, then they just don't work. And this is where I love totally. this kind of um, approach and just looking a little bit beyond what we actually see. Because... It's powerful, like it's really powerful. What what led you, I'm really interested, I always ask everyone that comes on the podcast, what led you to be doing this work? Um, how did you get to be where you are today? So about seven years ago, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 23. Wow. So that was a huge kind of uh, catalyst for... Um, looking into healing and there was so much kind of emotional psychological impact of that not just physical obviously um, with you know having to undergo cancer treatment I, I did um, six months of chemotherapy and lost all my hair at that age it was quite traumatic and isolating like as much as I had people supporting me um, it's such an internal kind of experience that really makes makes you feel so different to everyone especially friends my age like no one could as much as they sympathize no one could really understand um so that kind of um helped me cultivate my relationship with myself that level of introspection time on my own um processing i went in i just read a heap of books and looked into every type of healing and I, I got really into the physical side of things at the beginning wanting to put my body in the best condition that it could be physically through food and um, movement um, and studied that for a little while but um, the more I kind of got into everything and I, um, I learned I went to do a meditation course to help with my anxiety from the whole experience and that was just life-changing for me to learn the tools, you know, around acceptance and present moment and the impact that had on, I guess, managing that, that anxiety was so profound that I wanted to be able to give that back and share that. So I went and did some mindfulness training and I did my yoga teacher training and um, <laughs> I went to India for about six months to like really immerse myself in the traditional yoga and it's been like a, a kind of long journey to get to the coaching because I, I dabbled in so many different things and learned more and more and just kept following the breadcrumbs along the way. Um, 
but I think ultimately the cancer experience made me realize that while we need to look after ourselves on a physical level, that um, there's a definite link between stress and emotional health to physical. And I think that for me, I identified a lot of the way I used to cope with emotional stress um, was super unhealthy and toxic. And I had to kind of go, I, I spoke to therapists and did a lot of different types of healings and had to really go there and look at my stuff and learn to find, I guess, better ways to cope um, with distress and, and stress in general. And all of these tools collectively really helped me. Um, and then I realised I really wanted to work one-on-one um, with people to kind of deep dive into that because that's been the most profound part for me, the, the emotional healing. <laughs> That's that amazing. was a really long answer. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, what an incredible story. And the fact that that kind of, that illness, that traumatic experience kind of opened up doors for you to learn more about you. And you chose to go down that path of, like, self-inquiry. And, you know, there's mm. people that maybe don't. Just, you know, with modern medicine, the way it is that we're offered all this kind of um, medication that sometimes it kind of, masks the opportunity or it takes away the power doesn't it to actually look at yourself and your life and um go on your own journey and look at what you can do for yourself opposed to just rely on some medication and the fact that you unpacked all that kind of suppressed emotional stuff like i totally agree the mind and the body are massively connected Mm. and i think sometimes there is like um that metaphysical, you know, um, link between health and how it's kind of expressed, like stress, I would say, is at the core of most chronic illness, isn't it? And we all have ways of dealing with stress emotionally, our belief systems, physiologically. So to Mm. actually go on that adventure of healing, it must have been exciting, but I think it takes a lot of guts as well, because you probably have to face parts of yourself that you... I'm not saying you didn't like, but maybe you had to, you know, be get honest about and and understand a little bit more. So, yeah. what does that? Obviously, you do the amazing work that you do now. But what does that look like for you? How have you changed the way you deal with stress? What's what's your change in mindset or your approach to life and things since having that experience? Uh, I guess just that depth of knowing myself and knowing my triggers and knowing, I guess, what my needs are and being able to express that and being able to self-soothe. It's still something I'm working on. I don't think it's ever like you reach a point of completion on this kind of work. But um, I think I know myself better. I know, I guess, what was lacking from my upbringing and why it's that way. So I feel like the understanding piece is a huge one. And then just kind of learning how to give that to myself rather than kind of expecting my partner or whoever else external world to fix me and pick me up when I, when I'm feeling that way, Um, which is difficult to implement, but I feel, yeah, that the, knowing what the triggers are and why has automatically brought this sense of grounding to me, even when I do feel whatever triggered, 
I'm able to express it all in a much more grounded kind of way rather than just be lost in the emotion and the chaos of it all. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I think um, you're absolutely right. It's an evolving process. And I always kind of advocate looking at life through the lens of growth, that we're always learning and we're always growing. And we need to be really compassionate and open to that. And I think you, you said, you know, nothing has, everything happens for a reason. There's a lesson in everything. And, and I say the same, that we're not like defined by our struggles, but who we become in the face of them. And mm they can, some things can seem like, wow, why has that happened to me? But there is always some kind of opportunity. You know, we kind of, this is not a rehearsal, we get one chance. And um, that's just so inspiring to hear your story. And you worked in law, didn't you, before? You're like, this is a complete change from what you were yeah. doing. Yeah, I was, I was working in a law firm and um, about to go into my second year of study and I was, super ambitious and wanting to help people in a different way. But I guess that's still the link um, despite the big change in industry. Um, But one thing I did forget to mention as well is the the piece around um, not just kind of taking it for face value of like, you know, my doctor said to me at one point, it's just bad luck, um, but you'll be fine after your treatment and life will go back to normal kind of thing. And, for me, it was so um, natural to want to understand why, like, um, and to want to find meaning around why that, why I was diagnosed. I just couldn't accept, oh, it's just a genetic, you know, bad luck um, experience. And I was actually diagnosed six months after the first treatment with a, a different type of tumour that they wanted to surgically remove and I um, decided against that and went, more deeply into the natural medicine and naturopathy and that kind of thing. And the tumor shrunk itself down. And my point in telling you that is just that um, this sense of questioning everything and not just accepting one way of looking at things, I think was the biggest catalyst for wanting to share that through coaching as well, like to really become self-empowered and own your, your, I think that's so important because the way that medicine is now, it's designed to treat illness, not necessarily cultivate wellness and happiness. And it's very much around using medication, but also it's not necessarily focused on educating you about the why. Like yeah, I think we need to be more, more toddler, don't we? And always ask the question why. And mm. there is a degree of acceptance, you know, accepting your situation for what it is, but then, okay, so what can I do about it? Um, yeah, uh, what naturopathy, what did you use? Like, what did you do? I, I went, lots of things, but... I went to a, a specific naturopath who worked only with cancer patients and he had all of these supplements and uh, specific diet plans that um, were designed to shrink the tumour down, basically. And it worked. Yeah, well, it halved in size and it's stable. It's been stable ever since then. So, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I just, incredible. I think that the thought of just cutting things out or poisoning parts of my body out rather than looking at the root of how I was potentially, you know, co um, creating that illness 
is just really disempowering. And I would never have overcome the anxiety that I had if I didn't feel more in control as well. Um, just hoping and praying that it wouldn't come back without changing anything. Yeah. And, and I, I was just saying the other day, like, I like the expression, you can't take the medicine and not take the medicine. Like, it's mm. fine if you go and take, like, some prescribed medication, but then if you go home and you're really stressed and you're not sleeping and you're eating an inflammatory diet, then that medicine, and you've got that mindset stuck in those kind of, you know, limiting negative beliefs, it's not going to work so well. You know, I've seen people take medication, but they've done all the other stuff as well, and it's been really powerful and, you know, successful. So, yeah, absolutely. And I just love the fact that you embraced nature and it, it worked. Yeah. Um, so tell me, like, um, one thing I was really interested in when I saw what you do, and I use this quite a bit in my practice, but I am nowhere as skilled or experienced as you, which is why I wanted to speak to you, is looking at things like astrology, specifically around the moon phases. So I mm. work with a lot of women, um, mums, and um, hormone imbalances come up all the time. And some yeah. experience myself um, and in Bonnie actually is when the moon is at certain phases, it has a real impact on, on health. Not necessarily on a in a bad way, um, something mm. positive. But I notice on specific phases um, that I feel differently. Um, so I just wondered if you could, and I'm under, I totally appreciate this is quite a complex area. Or your experience, your thoughts on that around the moon and astrology, and yeah, so say however much you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's something that I've brought into my work the past year or so. I've done a deep dive into studying astrology, and it's given, I find it amazing because it's given a real structure to the work that I do, um, and it it kind of, it's broken down into the 12 houses, which is the areas of life and the moon phases um, or the, the main, the new and the full moon that is talked about the most each month. They're the two most yang phases always fall into an axis in the um, astrology wheel. So it's, there's always um, a highlight into a specific area of life that the moon will illuminate. Um, each month and for me that that just brings such a balance because obviously there's 12 months in the year and there's 12 houses so you're always kind of being prompted or triggered if, even if it's not consciously to kind of look at a different part of your life um, or your emotional well-being because the moon represents our, uh, our emotional responses and our emotional health and the subconscious mind and all of the stuff that I talk about in my coaching. So within the um, eight phases each month, there's yang, there's four yang and there's four yin. So I think that might speak to what you mentioned earlier around feeling differently. What does that mean? Sorry, just uh, the, the yang and the yin, what does it stand for? So the yang phases are more um, action orientated. So doing, speaking, initiating, um, yeah, more, more active. And then the yin phases are more restorative. Um, so being, listening, receiving, more introspective. Um, so it gives this perfect kind of ebb and flow to taking action on something and then 
sort of sitting on it and reflecting, refining, and then again, being able to take action and again, being able to sort of sit on it. So that happens every, I think the moon, um, it's every two and a half to three days that it changes between the two. Um, And then throughout that, it's a whole nother layer if you look at which sign the moon is actually falling into um, in the zodiac. Um, But you don't really need to know that to be able to follow the moon phases. Yeah, and one thing I do, I've just shown you, haven't you, before before our conversation, is I've got a moon calendar. Mm. I do do notice, like, patterns coming up to a full moon, which I think is this weekend. Mm. Um, I definitely feel a little bit more wired. This is just me personally, and, like, find it harder to sleep. But then mm. shortly, maybe around the full moon and just after, I'm very kind of productive. Um, okay. Maybe that is more, I'm able to do more of the yang stuff. Is that like giving out and talking and, more, you know, more putting stuff out there in terms of my work? Um, well, the, the phase right after the full moon is the disseminating phase. And that's all to do with sharing the wisdom that you've cultivated in the first two weeks of the cycle. So that makes perfect sense <laughs> that you no, feel like. Everyone, that's what I'm on Instagram. That's like <laughs> all my gems. Because I'm <laughs> feeling really like wise and creative. And, but it's true. It's true. And yeah. I think, you know, I ask, it often makes me think that, I'm quite glad that I created the business I've got because when I was in a more employed structure, you almost, Mm. you're dictated by your work schedule and your boss and what you have to do and you don't have as much control over it. And when you're in those parts of maybe the moon where you are a bit more yin and just more within and maybe you need more introspection and just time, that can feel quite uncomfortable when you're having to go out and do appointments and be, I used to work in sort of um, support and self-reflection and be in front of people all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously I did not think about this at the time, I didn't have this knowledge. But just looking back, I think that's why I found that kind of set up for me. Um, I don't know, I, I found it quite challenging at times. And even now in my business, there will be times where I just have got this huge to-do list but I just don't feel like tackling it. And then there's other days where I'm really productive. Like I can move mountains in a day and then I can have days where I just feel that I'm not. But I think that is going back to that evolving process of growth, isn't it? That it's all part of that. And if you understand it, then you can have more compassion and patience. Totally. Totally. And what have you noticed around like kind of female menstrual cycles and the hormonal side of things with the moon? I was just going to say that um, just to what you were speaking about. So I track not only the moon phases, um, but my own personal menstrual cycle. And that relates back to the seasons. So we can kind of make sense of when we're in our spring week, which is um, the week after we bleed, um, we have a lot more energy and Um, ability to start taking action and working on our to-do lists again. Um, And then the summer week is all about being social, um, like feeling comfortable to be visible, getting yourself out there. And that's also the week that we ovulate. And then the week after that is the autumn week, which um, is a bit more introspective. We can 
tend to be a little more overwhelmed by the inner critic and the ego and we're just generally a little bit more it could be the pms week if you have those symptoms um be a little bit more irritable and then the winter is um the obviously the last one where we bleed and where we try to rest and restore um before the next cycle yeah i just think that's so powerful to understand that because um I see a lot of women after they have children and myself included where you kind of have this cycle of a couple of the weeks of the month of feeling really really low uh, low in energy but just quite sort of hopeless you know mm. quite dark to be honest and yeah more awareness around things like um premenstrual dysphoric disorder PMDD and, you know, as much as it can be helpful <laughs> to have these kind of diagnoses or, or labels, I think too often we attach our identity to them and we don't do the thing that we're talking about and look below the surface and take the power back. And what I'm seeing is I get um, my clients to track this, like you've just described, because you do see patterns. And yes, there might be some imbalances going on physiologically with inflammation and hormone imbalance. But a lot of the time it's also like not just expressed, but contributed to by this kind of moon phase as well. And these are our natural rhythms, right? These women are very rhythmic beings. We should be attuned to nature. Mm. And if you're taking things that, you know, like um, the oral con contraceptive pill or hormone replacement therapy, that tries to make a, a, a system really rigid. And we shouldn't really be like that. We should ebb and flow, right? We should have yeah. more, um, it, should, it just shouldn't be so rigid. Um, and, and, and what I do say is, even though there might be some imbalances that need to be addressed, is that when you understand this, the spring, summer, autumn, winter phases, you can be much kinder and self-aware and try to manage your kind of schedule or your life around that. I know some people might be thinking, have to do this that but I, I think we can always make it happen like do you agree like what what sort of things do you do to help um support these different phases in yourself and your own health well I think again just having the awareness around both the moon phases and my own kind of um cycle I think like you said I I learned to ride the wave when the inspiration's there because you know it's not going to be there forever the whole month um so that's really important and then just honoring when you don't feel like you can tackle the to-do list like you mentioned and when you don't have the energy like there's no shame in that like really kind of deleting that sense of shame or feeling lazy or unproductive when you do need to rest and restore and be more introspective. And I read um, a line in the Lunar Abundance book by Ezzy Spencer that said the best kind of action comes after rest. So we actually need, we need the yin and the yang to be able to pr produce the best work and, and do what we want to do out in the world. So I think that's a really good reminder. I love that awesome. the best kind of action comes after rest and um, yeah it kind of goes with when people um, say to me they want to improve their energy I was like right we'll start with sleep yeah. <laughs> it's just so important that's like a swear word in the mum community yeah right <laughs> but it is important exactly what you just said 
Mm. So, um, if you have someone then that maybe is feeling a little bit lost or disconnected, or maybe they have been diagnosed with some kind of chronic or physical illness, mm. what would it look like? And they want to in inquire a little bit more. If they contacted you, what would that look like? Like, where would you start? Would you bring the astrology in, or how how does your work kind of you know? Well, my work is more focused around the mindset and the emotional well-being of, of something like that. So I guess we could try to bring some understanding around why that experience, like what that experience is trying to teach us, what the lessons are in that. And just um, like I mentioned for my, through my own journey, learning how to navigate any anxiety or distress that that experience is bringing through different mindful um, exercises or journaling or like we've spoken about tracking these kind of um, phases that are personal to us um, and just having that, I guess, support to, to have someone to bounce off and know that they're understood and they're not alone in, in the experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the first step of healing, isn't it? Being able to share your story without judgment and mm. um, be listened to, be heard yeah. and understood. Um, and and you, you kindly sent me, uh, it was quite a big report around my, <laughs> is it like the astrology around my sign when I was born and the time? And it, reading through it, like I don't understand all of it. I wondered actually, you mentioned the houses. Mm -hmm. What are the 12 different houses? So, yeah, so the 12 houses correlate to the 12 signs as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the first house is the house of self, mm -hmm. which correlates to Aries. So it's a, a fire sign and it's a really action orientated house. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the way you project your energy out into the world um, and also like the perceptions and the beliefs that we hold. So cultivating a sense of self-awareness would be the first one. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second house is all to do with our values um, and that can be like um, material values like money, the, the way we earn money and our possessions and our home and things like that but also psychological values and spiritual values. Um, and that correlates to the uh, zodiac sign of Taurus. Um, so then the third house is self-expression and the mind and the way we communicate, which correlates to Gemini. The fourth house is our sense of home and our emotional foundation, sense of security and Again, emotional well-being, it's ruled by the moon, that house, and it correlates to the sign cancer. Um, do you want me to just keep going like this or do you have... Okay, yeah. Really yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then the fifth house is all to do with creativity, play, fun, recreation, and anything that basically involves risk-taking is the fifth house. Um, and it's also the house of children more traditionally and that, house correlates to the sign of leo um, the sixth house is the house of work health and daily habits um, and essentially being able to establish 
um, the mental and physical um, habits that really support us on a daily basis. Um, and that relates to Virgo, which is also the sign that really loves all of that, the, the habits and the structure and being the best that it can, um, basically. And then the seventh house is to do with relationships and maintaining and even creating personal boundaries between not just romantic relationships, but any one-on-one, one-to-one relationship of significance in your life and um, creating harmony in those relationships as well, which is why it relates to the sign of Libra, which is all about that, creating balance, creating harmony. Um, The eighth house um, is a bit of a complicated one to explain, but it's basically all about depth and going deep into psychology and transformation and kind of um, creating emotional depth in our relationships. So each house kind of builds on the previous and the eighth house coming after the seventh is like taking those relationships to a, to the next level. And it also touches on um, like shared resources financially and living with other people. And when your money's combined and all of that, kind of thing Um, and that's actually the house that will be kind of in the spotlight for um, this month because we're in Scorpio season and this is related to Scorpio so that sign is all about the depth and the emotional intensity Um, I don't know if you're feeling that at the moment yeah I'll share something when you (laughs) think around that but yeah absolutely yeah and then just to note as well that next week's full moon in Taurus brings a bit of balance and reprieve to the Scorpio season because it's, it's the polarity. It's on the opposite side. So that that's the really interesting piece with the the full and new moon each month. Um, And then the ninth house is all to do with cultivating spiritual growth and um, a sense of faith and a search for meaning. So anything that, takes us to the edge of what we know and broadening our perspectives and travel and just, yeah, like being immersed in different cultures or studying something, um, anything that expands the mind and that relates to the, um, the sign of Sagittarius, which is all about that as well. Um, the 10th house is all to do with our purpose and a lot of people would say career as well, but more traditionally they speak about your purpose and what you do out in the world, your reputation, your public um, sense of self that people know you as. Um, and that is relates to the sign of Capricorn, which is super, uh, super ambitious kind of goal-driven sign. Um, and then the 11th house is all to do with um, the collective. So our relationship with the world, our friends, uh, acquaintances, and it also touches on the um, philanthropy piece and how do we give back and how do we put others before ourselves. Um, and any kind of participation in groups and clubs and collectives would fall into the 11th house. And that relates to the sign of Aquarius. That's mine. Is that yours? Yeah. 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 And then um, 
we, uh, the, the last one, the 12th house is um, the house, it's got so many meanings, this house, but to summarize, I would say it's like the sorrows and the unconscious and the, the saboteur, basically like how to overcome any self-sabotage to be truly empowered um, falls into the 12th house and it can be a challenging place um, to kind of unpack but um, it's the most rewarding because it basically speaks to transcendence and being reaching your highest potential essentially and that um, correlates to the sign of Pisces. So, wow, that's so interesting. And did you say that happens, the 12 houses coincide with the 12 months of the year? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's not exactly um, like month by month. Um, I don't have the dates here, but each each season, um, did you want me to get the dates up so I can talk through it? Well, well, no, I mean, that's fine. I was just thinking now you said we're in um, the eighth house, aren't we? And which is in Scorpio. And you described that as being sort of depth and around relationships and transformation and that side of things. Is that right? And shared resources. Well, this is where it gets complicated because the sun falls into a different house depending on the time you were born. So for everyone, it will be in a different house. But if we spoke about it in a more collective way without looking into specific birth charts, um, like the natural place would be for when the sun is in Scorpio, it would relate to that eighth house because there's a link between the two, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of collectively now, but it might be different for individuals depending on a sign and when you were born. Exactly. So your rising sign is always going to be your first house. So for me, I'm an Aries rising. So my um, chart looks exactly like the way I just explained it to you. But for you, I think you were a Sagittarius rising. So the, the places in the chart where Scorpio is would be in a different house if that makes sense and that's where the sun is at the moment so this is is something that you would like provide someone with like on an individual basis wouldn't you and once you've got all that information you can keep referring back to it and use Mm -hmm. it day to day week to week month to month you know it's almost like education that you've got there for you that's personalized yeah, well, that's what I'm creating at the moment. I'm hoping to launch maybe by the end of this month where it'll be a personalised um, kind of write-up on when the the moon falls into which sign, what that means for you personally. And all you need to know is your rising sign to be able to utilise that and you need your birth time to be able to find that out. So It's funny, I'll just share because you you just mentioned around the sort of eighth house and I think maybe that's kind of where I'm at right now. But But, um, it's quite common, isn't it? Or in motherhood, any parenthood to forget your relationship or it to become kind of further down the pile. And just recently, like a few resources have come my way, just things, videos that I've come across that have been really... um, have reminded us about prioritizing ourselves so um to put myself at the top of the pile my own pile if that makes sense look after mm-hmm. and then my husband and then Bonnie and then work 
and the same yeah. with him so he should be at the top of his pile and then me and then bonnie and it's so easy to get that the wrong way around we put our yeah. together first and we forget ourselves but actually by coming together and sharing and acting as a team and looking after ourselves that's modeling that to our children and it's hugely beneficial and it makes sense so it's just funny I just wanted to share that because it's we've just kind of had that revelation recently that maybe our pile is all out of sorts and I'm going to do a, a podcast on this but um makes sense that has just been now and I happen to be in that that house as well so you know it kind of all comes together beautifully <laughs> yeah it's crazy when I first started getting into it I would look each month at the theme for me specifically and it would just blow my mind that those themes like those issues would naturally already be on my radar for each moon and I'm just like this is insane like the accuracy it's just so on point every time so absolutely and I think you know there's so much obviously around looking after environment and saving the planet and you know we're all becoming much more conscious of looking after now so I think this is part of it you know, yeah. to, to tune back to nature, the wisdom, the, the healing properties, you know, to live life in tune with the kind of natural rhythms, as mm-hmm. well as obviously, you know, physically looking at the environment. I think it's all kind of moving in a very exciting direction, even though the world is a bit crazy right now. I think yeah. kind of, you know, transcending into a, a, an exciting time. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with or any kind of words of wisdom or, um, yeah, anything really? Um, I guess for me with the astrology piece, cause it, I don't know if it might go over some people's heads, but basically the, the beauty of it to me is just bringing acceptance to the different parts of yourself. And I think there's a misconception out there that we are just one sign, our sun sign, um, but we are, we basically got um, all of the signs in the different areas of life that I just explained. And um, it kind of brings similar to the, the lunar phases and the menstrual cycle phases. It just brings more self-acceptance and understanding to our shadows and our light and our strengths and our weaknesses. And um, it really helps to integrate wholeness truly um, by I guess, yeah, going deeper into these archetypes, which is essentially all it is, the planets and the signs, they're all archetypes to just help us understand ourselves better and understand our lives a bit better when some parts are more difficult or others are more in alignment, just even bringing acceptance and understanding to that as well, um, which I think is really important. Um, And to just be okay with sometimes some areas taking more energy than others and you know we're never going to be perfectly in balance in every single way so just being okay with that <laughs> I guess no absolutely and you know everyone um, is trying to achieve balance in their life and I think sometimes we need to be balanced in a slightly different way and if we can connect more to this stuff, our higher self our inner self you know um then that's really going to help us understand, have more awareness around that. So, so mm. and I think sparse signs are like the most Google thing. It's really good that you point that out, that, you know, people are really interested in their spouse sign in the newspaper or in the mirror or the sun or on Google. 
there's way more to it. There's so many different aspects and layers. So mm. sharing, and I think it's such a complex topic. You've really kind of shared it um, so well. Like that, that what has made it much clearer for me. And definitely going to listen back to this and and go over it because um, I really felt the effects of that. Like completely so thank you where can we find you because your website is beautiful as is your instagram account oh thank you so it's um brie cosma b-r-i-e c-o-s-m-a dot com is my website and my instagram handle is just my name the same (laughs) amazing and i'll share that in the show notes as well i really do encourage everyone to check out your account Thank you. I'm really grateful for your time and for all that amazing information. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, Brie. That was really awesome. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would like to find out more or get in contact with Brie, I have put the link to her website in the show notes, as well as her social media platforms. If you enjoyed the show, please let me know. And if you're feeling super inspired, please leave me a review. I have a closed community for mums on Facebook. It's called the BU Mum Community. It's a fun, safe space to connect with other mums on their own health journeys, as well as find inspiration, information, and get empowered to reconnect with you so you can grow into your best self. So please do come along and join spread the love and share your magic i will be back next week with another episode of the bu mum podcast have a great week everyone